You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on people? Welcome to the post-game number crunch. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting, creator of the House and Growls Timberwolves newsletter, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by Canis Hoopus and SB Nation. House and Growls monthly subscriptions are down to just $2.50 a month throughout the rest of this run into the playoffs, and hopefully an actual playoff run. We're getting a lot of subscriptions of late, which is really good. Really happy to see a lot of people joining the bandwagon and kind of going over there to check out all the stuff that is on House and Growls. So if you are interested in doing something like that, please click the link in the show notes or head over to houseandgrowls.substack.com to support the program and help support this podcast. But today we are back in the dumps. Not quite the same dumps we've been in this season. Hell, it's not even the same dumps that we've been in in the past two weeks. But watching the Timberwolves get blown off their home court is always a dumpy kind of feeling, isn't it? Obviously, we are talking about the 117-94 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. A game where the Wolves just kind of started off like they were ready to play ball with against one of the league's best teams but ended up just getting absolutely steamrolled after Joel Embiid and the Sixers rattled off 15 straight points towards the end of the second quarter going into halftime, and that kind of ended the game right there. Minnesota were never able to fight back from that run, and it only got worse after halftime. And make no mistake, I think the Wolves shouldn't have been blown out. I don't think there is ever an excuse to get blown out. But this did just feel like one of those nights against one of those teams who have one of those players. Philly are really, really good. And even then, they had a really, really good night. Look, the Wolves the Wolves need to win every game they can. So no loss is really an acceptable loss or a moral victory or anything of that nature. But in the realm of losses, this one was about as understandable as it gets. Everybody played bad for the Wolves and sometimes that shit just happens. And when it does happen, then the team loses. And Philly played really, really well. And Joel Embiid was beastly. And when that happens, then the Sixers are really hard to beat. And that was the case for everybody except Anthony Edwards for the Wolves. It really felt like such a shame to waste an Edwards night with this much quality because he really was awesome. 32 points, 7 rebounds, while being one of the few, I think, that seemed ready to play defense. And in my opinion, it was a pretty big leadership night for Anthony Edwards, even if it will get washed away because of the end result. But one player can't do it all. That was kind of the theme of this game. 
sure, they needed to do a better job on Embiid and then they needed to extend that better job to Tyrese Maxey and the rest of Philly's shooters. But unless someone else turns up offensively alongside Ant, then it doesn't really matter. And turning up offensively means shooting the ball better. And sometimes for all the stuff that goes into basketball, it's a pretty simple game. The team that shoots the ball better will win most of the games. And it's remarkable how often that mantra holds true. And along those same lines for this game, if one team completely shits the bed on their three-point shooting while the other team completely catches fire, then you get a blowout like you got in this game. So with that in mind, this episode's numbers are 31 and 60, as in the 31% that the Timbles shot from deep and the 60% that the Philadelphia 76ers shot from deep in this game. Let's take a deeper look at those numbers after a quick break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, as I said, heading into the break, the Wolves shot 31% from three in this game. Actually, they shot 30.9%, but I'm sure we can do them the slightest favor on a night like this and round it up to 31%. While on the other side of the floor, the Sixers shot 60% from deep. All up, Minnesota attempted 11 more three-point shots in this game. They hoisted 36 to Philly's 25 three-point attempts. But they only made 11 of them, while Philly made 15. When you look at just the four extra made threes, it doesn't really scream blowout. But when you consider all the wasted trips that the Wolves had on those missed shots, and all the extra possessions that Philly got by making their threes, and then being able to focus offensive possessions on dominating with Embiid within the arc, without having to worry about being out-mathed from the three-point line, then you start to see more of that blowout picture. And that's just kind of the way the NBA works these days. Sure, there is a crapload of minutiae that goes into the workings of a team on both ends of the floor, but it's probably more a make-or-miss lead than it ever has been with the rise in three-point attempts and the proficiency on those three-point attempts. You just look at the game log numbers for the Wolves this season and it paints a pretty stark picture. If we include tonight's game, Minnesota have now shot under 31% from three 16 times this season. They are 2 and 14 in those games, 2 wins and 14 losses in those 16 games that they've shot under 31%. Conversely, 
they've forced opponents to shoot under 31% 15 times. And they are 11-4 and four in those games. 11 wins and 4 losses. And, I mean, if the Wolves shoot well, it's the same sort of thing. If we're using something like 40% as a threshold for shooting the ball well, and let's remember that Philly shot 60, that's 60% in this game. But if we are using that 40% as an A-grade three-point shooting night, then Minnesota has done that 18 times this season, and they've won 12 of those games, 12 and 6 record. And this isn't just a Timberwolves thing. This is a lead-wide thing. Shooting wins games, and good shooting definitely wins games. You can throw that over to the Sixers as well if you kind of need an example on why this is a thing that happens to other teams too. Philly have a ridiculous 32 games that they've shot over 40% from three, including this one, and they have won 24 of those games and lost eight of them. But In the 12 games that they've shot worse than that 31% number that Minnesota shot in this game, they've won four games and lost eight. Again, it's impossible to boil a game of basketball down to just shooting, and the Wolves certainly did a shitload of things wrong in this game to end up losing by 23 points. But it's pretty undeniable that shooting variance has a big old say in basketball games, and maybe right now more than any other time in NBA history. There are variables within that shooting variance. The Sixers were great on defense tonight, and the Wolves were really poor, and that's a pretty big variable. The Sixers were great on offense tonight, and the Wolves were really poor, another variable. By the end of the day, whether the shots do or don't go in, is a big factor in determining the winner of a game. Tonight, the Wolves' shots didn't go in, and Phillies did. That might be enough to goldfish memory this beatdown for Minnesota, hopefully because they have been known this season to get stuck in a rut and have three or four or five games where they shoot really poorly or where they defend really poorly, and that kind of snowballs into these big winning streaks and big losing streaks. But hopefully they can just goldfish memory this beat down and hope for better days in the games ahead. It's been quite some time since the Wolves had to worry about being such a poor shooting team and such a poor perimeter defense. I think they've kind of had at least one of those things on lock for most of the season after a really poor start to the season. So I do think it is fair to chalk this one up as an off night and keep a finger to the wind to kind of see if this trend does continue further but really have a pretty good certainty that this team won't be doing this every game going forward. They are a very good perimeter defense, especially with the inclusion of Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and they have been a really good three-point shooting team. They're up at 39% since the trade deadline. So this is a team that can do both of the things that let them down in this game. So hopefully against the Brooklyn Nets, who are next up and who certainly don't have the shooting firepower that Philly do. We'll be here to discuss a better result. I hope you will be too.